Welcome, welcome everyone to episode two of Neon Jellyfish Arcade. I am your host, Philip, and joining me today is Sean. How are you doing, Sean? I'm all good. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. So we are back here, we're rolling on to episode two, and we've got a fun-packed show this week. We're going to be telling you what we're playing, focusing on two games. We'll tell you those in a minute, and we'll also be going through our top five games ever. One franchise is allowed on the list, so we can't have multiple games from the franchise, I think. I the, only, the only rules we put in place when we, because uh, we did this list as well with some of our friends, was basically you couldn't have, um, you couldn't pick a series, uh, so you couldn't have comp- a compilation, so you wouldn't, for example, be able to have the Mass Effect trilogy. Um, and I think that was about it. Um, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, well, we'll get into that. We'll get into the mess. Well, first up, what have you been playing this week, Sean? Um, I played a little bit of a mixture of things, uh, mainly Super Mario. So you played a game this week, that's saying. <laughs> I played a game last week. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. I played Super Mario 3D All-Stars, uh, the collection of free games, and I played, um, I ventured back into the world of Animal Crossing also. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Honestly, myself, I've been playing the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War beta that came to Xbox and PC this weekend. I've been getting my toes wet, as I do every year, a little bit later this year, but I've been getting deep into what's uh, that game, and I'll be talking about it in a moment. But first, let's talk about Mario 3D All-Stars. You played this, Sean. Obviously, I've played all three games. I believe this involves Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. You would be correct. I am (laughs) correct. I know this. I'm just making sure we're talking about the same three games. What are your initial impressions of the game? Uh, I mean, I think it's fine. I think, um, obviously, there's a lot of uh, reaction out there, like the fact these uh, emulations or part emulations um, and not sort of uh, true ports in the sort of true true sense of the word, like they haven't been built sort of, I mean, I guess the emulation has made it so it's built for the Switch, but if you get what I mean, like a true remake for the Switch. And uh, if I'm truly honest, I don't think you'll ever get a remake of that, well, not all three games in one compilation. Because if Nintendo are going to put in the hard work to remake one of those games, you, you can you can bet your bottom dollar they're releasing that by itself for the full price. They're not going to shove it in with two other remakes. Mm. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> for the for the price of one game. Because um, I do think at some point, whether it be next year or five years or 20 years time you will get a a proper remake of super mario 64 uh, as a lot of people pointed out galaxies less needing of it um because it still looks pretty decent um that's the one i'm playing at the moment out of the three um i've been through 64 i'm on galaxy at the moment um i mean i think it's fine i think i've I've not started on sunshine yet that'd be the I'm doing them in a, I guess the order I have to uh, sort of, I don't have fondest memory of, but the, I don't know. It, it's not chronologically, but <laughs> what the hell was that? 
Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was just my phone. Carry on. Carry on. Um, yeah, so I'm just doing, I mean, in order that I, I guess Super Mario 64 is one I've always really enjoyed. So that, and it's not the longest of games. So that's the one I sort of jumped into first. Just get some of that nostalgia on. And then Sunshine is probably, not Sunshine, sorry, Galaxy is probably my best or favourite Super Mario game. Um It'd be hard to say it of because I know at the time when I played them both, I would have said number one was my favourite. But I'm not sure, like in hindsight, whether I'd actually put number two. But it's a long time since I played Galaxy Two. Yeah. And the only thing I would say about playing them on the Switch, um, I've tried. So I thought 64 was still good. I know a lot of people don't like the camera. And I guess in places it was not, it was worse than what I remembered, but it wasn't, it wasn't game breaking or anything like that. Um, Galaxy, I find not as smooth a transition, um, <clears throat> pardon me, because I, I, so when you're using the pro controller, you use the gyro controls to move the cursor around the screen to collect the star bits and stuff like that and to, there's bits for the gravity pulling, like where you're used a little cursor to grab onto stars to uh, move Mario through space and stuff. So you use the gyro in the controller to move the cursor. Um, mm. If you're doing it handheld mode, you'll just touch the, the switch screen, which does make it a lot easier because you're physically doing it. There's no point in moving cursors around. You literally touch where you want to go. So that kind of makes it easier for precision to some degree. Um, I've personally found the best control system myself is to use the two individual Joy-Cons as I feel that mirrors the setup that the game originally has the best, which would be obviously uh, left Joy-Con being the nunchuck and the right Joy-Con being the Wii remote that sort of mirrors how the game was originally designed. Um so it's, I mean, it all works fine. I just find it a little bit slightly mixed bag on the control front. But from what, because I've started getting into some of the later levels on that game uh, now, because um, I just dabble in it every now and again to go back to some of that nostalgia. Um, but I, yeah, I, I still think I would, I would still place that personally as a favourite over 64. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of, uh, I mean, I know you talk about going on to uh, sort of favourite games of all time. I mean, but just to touch lightly on that, I always feel you can have, a, you know, sometimes as technology gets better and some of the graphics get better and the worlds get bigger or more intricate in places, depending on obviously the, the, the game type and the genre that you can so you might argue Mario 64 is the more important game but I I would possibly say Galaxy was the one that was able to kind of and you might say to a better extent Galaxy 2 were the games that was able to sort of build on that better um, so they take they took those that design philosophy and sort of 
took it further and I guess so 64 opened the door to all of that stuff but I feel all the enhancements and the the I mean I know the Wii wasn't the most powerful system at the time but allowed you to sort of uh, take some of those that, that design philosophy and those ideas further that perhaps you wouldn't have been able to do on the 64 type of thing so just because it was the first it doesn't mean it should always be held as the best in the series if the if later games are able to sort of keep that original philosophy and idea but push it further type of thing no i completely agree just because something's first it should never have been given this uh hail of a um kind of like it can't puts it up on a pedestal when it can't be beaten just because it was first i do agree with you i mean super mario 64 i have so much nostalgia for we we said that we're gonna try and do a race of 120 stars uh, because of the nostalgia i actually think that'll be a fun way to do that game but i played it so many times i know pretty much all the stars i know how to get them but it's a nice game to go through. And it held, surprisingly, I only played, I played this game about two years ago, maybe three. And it holds up extremely well. Super Mario 64. But I would love to play Sunshine. That's the one game I would love to play, go back and play again. Because I don't think I appreciated it. And it's the one game and I And that's obviously another well. point where some of that controversy, come, come, uh, that controversy comes in. Because Sunshine is obviously one of the older ones. Um, but never got a release outside of the GameCube. So I believe the um, both the Galaxy games were available on the Wii U eShop. Um, obviously, I think that's all closed down now. I'm not 100% on that, um, as I don't have access to a Wii U. But GameCube stuff mm. never made it outside of the GameCube. So part of the controversy there is obviously this collection, if you probably, I mean, most people probably already know, is only available to the end of March next year. So once again, after that date, both physically and digitally, that the Mario Sunshine will once again sort of be sort of locked away. And granted, this game seems to have sold extremely well, I believe, and they published this week in the MPD that it was second to the Avengers um, sales. However, I think they said the Avengers includes both physical and digital, um, whereas Mario includes physical sales. But if you watch a lot of people, and obviously this is just a minority, but if you watch a lot of people like on YouTube that talk about it and stuff, um, they ended up buying like two copies. (laughs) So a digital one that they would play, uh, especially like collectors, uh, and then a physical one that they would sort of have for their kind of collection type of thing, especially as it was sort of limited. Um, but again, I, I feel like eBay and stuff, I don't think it's going to be crazy in price just because I'm under the input, like every three months Nintendo released their sort of reports on sales and that. And I do think before the end of March, so they only normally publish the top 10 games. Um, and obviously, they're always Nintendo games. Um, but I do think that um, Mario 3D, 3D All-Stars collection will pro- 
might just scrape in to that top 10 because obviously we're being about to hit its fourth year. Um, obviously, you've got 20 million unit sellers in that list now. So a game has to do quite well to be able to sort of get into that that top 10. I think the top three or four are in the cracking that the 20 million units sold. Okay. Fair. Well, yeah, it's good. It will be... Um... I mean, it's not really got... I wouldn't say the Avengers was a strong competition in the first place, but it's Nintendo. It's always going to sell. It's Mario. It's always going to sell. I don't think it's going to be any surprises. Uh, the stuff it could much out in the way for Nintendo for Switch owners to buy. And it's a limited time. So you can only get it for six months, and after six months, you're having to go to eBay to go get a copy if you really need it. It's a very bizarre thing to be doing. Yeah, I mean, some people but, might say it's obviously very reminiscent of like the Disney Vault type stuff when they would release, here's the Little Mermaid or here's the Lion King from the Vault and then it would disappear. And then, the, um, and then obviously, it would, I mean, that's, yeah, you've not really come across that in recent years at all. And it seems no, a weird practice. We're used, um, we're used to things on demand, but... Hey ho, but it seems like it is. If you can, if you have got a Switch, I would recommend picking it up just because it seems like a good. Is I mean, it's three great games. I mean, I can't fault any of them. I mean, one of them I grew up with, Super Mario sixty four, which we'll find out maybe later in my top five games. Um, but I, I think they're both all five are great games. So that's that. Moving on, uh, we're going to talk. I've been playing the Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War beta. I know that. You are not a Call of Duty fan, Sean. Is am I right in saying it? I don't mind it. I'm not a massive multiplayer person, so I guess when I have played Call of Duty, it has mainly been the campaign. But it was a long time ago since I did one of them. I want to say the only two I properly played were Modern Warfare, and Modern Warfare Two. So stepping back. Well, let me tell you about this beta and something. I've been playing it since Thursday. I've been going backwards and forwards, trying to get my opinions. In, on the majority, I've been enjoying the beta. Like I think it's Call of Duty. I think has now ascended into a plane where I think a lot of people are happy where it is. I mean, I like the advanced movement. I like the jetpacks. I liked where Call of Duty was going initially. But it seems since Modern Warfare, all hail the Modern Warfare 2019, came out, it seems Call of Duty has made a turn to becoming back to realism, back to realistic. And it seems now that it's running unopposed on the console market um, for the time being anyway. But this beta, everyone knows, and if you don't, I'll just quickly recap it, that this Call of Duty should not be made by Treyarch. It should be made by Sledgehammer Games with Raven. So what do you mean it should it, be? It shouldn't be made by Treyarch, but it is being made by Treyarch because most developers, so Sledgehammer... <laughs> Sorry, you just worded that so weirdly. Who is it made by? Treyarch, but it shouldn't be made by Treyarch. And let me explain before. <laughs> it's like, so this it year should have been by these. <laughs> it's just a weird this way year, to just. No, no, no. I, I get it, but this year it should be made by Sledgehammer Games. Um, they should be making this year because every because there's three developers and they all have one go at every year. And this year it should be Sledgehammer Games. The last one being 2017, World uh, World War Two. However, in 2019, in May or April. 
they had a falling out with Raven. Activision kicked him off them as being the main developer, went to Treyarch and said, we need you to come in and get 2020 done. So 20, so this game is what, 18 months, not even 18 months in development. And considering that the last six months of those have been done during working from home from COVID, you can imagine the mess and the anxiety I was fearing that going into this is what am I going to be playing? And it's quite clear um, that this game is not finished and it needs more time. This is Modern Warfare 1.5. But you're only playing a beta, me- right? Hold <laughs> your horses. <laughs> you're right. I, I am playing a beta and I'll give it, I'll give it like lenience. Like, so I'll go into a few things here. Let me get, let me collage my thoughts. Let's go with the good. The good things about this beta is that the movement, it, it's tight. Again, it's something that Call of Duty has never failed on, maybe Advanced Warfare a little bit, but the movement, the way you feel, the way you pull your gun, I actually think it's a step up for a Treyarch game. I actually think it's very good. It feels good to fire your guns. It looks very good. I think the graphics, I mean, I'm playing on Xbox One X, but the graphics look good. I can only imagine what it'll be looking like on a Series X. In the game, the way it kind of communicates how you're playing, and they've also tried to do some new modes. They're trying to get more people in, more of a battlefield. So you've got a game mode of combined arms, which is 12v12, 24 people, and it's more open. The maps are just more open. And another thing is the maps. Thank God that we've gone back to some... I wouldn't say the maps are amazing, but after what Modern Warfare and their wacky map design, it feels nice to just, just go play some maps that are just serviceable, shall we say, or just give you a good time. They're not sledgehammering you. They're not creating safe spaces and they're not clustering this disorientating, realistic look that Modern Warfare was going through. They were just good map design. Um, they've done a few other things that I think are good. For instance, they followed the gunsmith design for Modern Warfare. I think that's a great design system and they implemented that over. But they're good things, and I, I have no doubt I'll be playing it for many months and I'll be enjoying it. The things that I don't like is that I feel like I'm playing a version of Modern Warfare set in the 80s. Uh, it does, it, the menus are the same, and that's a worrying thing. I've never gone from a Call of Duty to another next year's Call of Duty, and the menus look the same, just different skin. The score streaks menu is the same, the gun system menu is the same, even how you go across even when you're zooming in on your equipment or you're zooming in on your perks that's the same it worries me that a lot of this is the same and i'll give them understand that you know they've only had 13 to 16 months to make this but a lot of it it seems like they just grabbed the modern warfare engine and now they're copying what modern warfare did treyarch used to be the trailblazers they were the lead developer they have been since black ops 2 the lead developer of the call duty series since 2012 and it's weird that you see them now copying Infinity Ward, who were after Infinite Warfare, were considered to be people were calling. I saw on YouTube people were calling for them to never make a Call of Duty game again, and now they're the lead developer. They got their mojo back, their status, and now Treyarch are following Infinity Ward into for their next Call of Duty game. It's a very bizarre thing that they've gone through, but you can see the Treyarch DNA. But in my opinion, the game is going to be very similar to modern warfare which is fine but modern warfare is a much is a more refined experience i feel this will be a rough copy i think it'll be fun it'll be good to get into and i know i'm going to enjoy it but i think after playing a year of modern warfare 
going to black it going to cold war i think it's going to be difficult i feel i'll get fatigued a lot quicker because i feel like i'll be playing this i mean the only thing that's going to save where it's going to help me is that the maps are good i never felt like i was getting frustrated um when i was playing the maps and the gun balance seems okay um i actually thought modern warfare's gun balance was pretty good for the most part there were some good guns op guns but for the most part, the time to kill was so quick, it didn't really make too much of a difference. Um, snipers are ridiculously strong, though, in this. I don't like snipers. Oh, if I see a sniper on the ground, I'm leaving that sniper well alone. I don't mess with snipers in first-man shooters. I haven't got the patience, I haven't got the skill. But in Cold War, I thought, let me give it a go. I was doing things that I didn't even think were possible. Things I've never even done before in a first-person shooter. It was crazy. And now, it's, so I was thinking these need to be ever looked at, but it's a beta. These are what things are. I have no problems with there being faults in a beta. I have a problem when the game feels the same as Modern Warfare. The only thing that will change it is, oh, I'm not sure. I, I, I am a little bit downer on it. I don't want to be a downer because I'm very excited for the campaign and I love the 80s theme and the game has a lot of themes to it and it's something that Treyarch hasn't put in a Call of Duty since, I would say, Black Ops 1 where it has a, you know, a theme I mean, Black Ops 4 and 3 pretty much lacked a theme to hold everything together. This one has a very strong 80s theme to it, and that's a very good thing um, that I enjoy, especially, obviously, being born in the 80s. I have a lot of love for the you know 80s nostalgia, the music, the vibe, the, you know, just the, what's the word I'm trying to think of? The atmosphere, I suppose, it creates, that you go into Black Ops. When you go into Cold War, everything has an 80s style, like the computer's got the black screen with the green writing on when you're setting your score streaks. It's just quite nice. I do enjoy that kind of like they've definitely got a vibe and a theme going on here that helps you immerse yourself. So when you're playing multiplayer, you're not just going from random location to random location. You're fighting the streets of Miami in the 80s. Then you're going to fight in, um, in the Angolia in satellite in the 80s where there was the Cold War. And Cartel, which is, again, in Nicaragua, where there was also the Commies versus, I forget who they were, the Contras. I'm not sure how much you know about your 80s Cold War history, Sean. But it's um, not a lot. But for me, who I generally like the 80s, I think anything that's set in the 80s gets a huge thumb up for me. And I I generally have a lot of hope for the single player, which is being developed by Raven Software. So Treyarch can't even touch in the single player it's been completely done by another studio and when you boot up the game the thing that surprised me the most was the how many studios are attached to this usually when you boot up modern warfare you see infinity ward sledgehammer uh Beanox, and raven i think or you, one of the thing you see three other studios you boot this game up and it's like treyarch raven infinity ward demonware sledgehammer activision shanghai like it's everywhere <laughs> every every studio seems to be chipping this in to get this game ready and it's no surprise this game is the latest that call of duty has ever been released since modern warfare call of duty 4 modern warfare and it's because i think they're just running out of time and they know they've got to get it out in this time window because the long closer you leave it to christmas inevitably the less sales you're going to get so I think they've got to get it out at this time. And I think they're absolutely working as hard. I mean, I say I will judge it when it finally comes out. The beta does have some good bits in it. But I think if you can have a great core gameplay, but you need everything around it. And I think that's what Modern Warfare did so well last year. And it's something that I've worried.
streak system. I'm not sure. I thought that was going to be a good system when I heard about this system where you don't lose your score streaks when you die. You just get more multipliers. And so people will always get their score streaks if you run in low score streaks. I thought it'd be good, but it's so confusing. You have no idea when your score streaks are coming until you're looking at a bar going up. But it differs. Of, you know, you get one kill, it goes up a little bit, but then you get five kills in a row and it goes up a lot. It's like, I'll just keep on killing and hopefully that, that bar will fill up soon. I, I'm not sure. I like how Modern Warfare put the emphasis back on the kill streaks that I'm two kills away. Now I'm one kill away and you start getting a bit antsy, you know, there's a bit of tension. You build that tension in the game um, about score streaks. Here it's like, well, if I die, I die. I'm just going to try and get as many points. It seems a little bit more casual, dare I say, in that um, aspect. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, 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 a little bit down, but I think if the campaign's good, if Zombies is good and multiplayer's good, I still think we've got a strong Call of Duty this year. But I think Modern Warfare 2019 was such a strong Call of Duty. With extremely strong Call of Duty, um, I think that will be. It's almost going to be like the reverse. What happened with Black Ops Three and Infinite Warfare, where Black Ops Three was still being played even after Infinite Warfare came out. I just wonder if that might happen here. Um, the Black Ops name does carry a lot of uh, what's the word credit, or you know, I can't think of the word credo. So you know, credit or anything like that. The Black Ops name does carry a lot of cachet, should I say? That's a better word, cachet. Um, so we'll see, but it'll be interesting. But they're my kind of thoughts of the beta anyway. I've been playing a lot. I've been enjoying myself, but I do think this could be a short run. This could be one that you put down in March or February, um, and it might not have the legs to carry you through. But there we go. Is that a, was that a good rundown for you? Do you feel like you're up on your call, G? Sure. Well, yeah, well... Yeah, I guess. Uh, I'm not going to... Well, break my heart. Break my heart. Oh, dear. I, well, I hate to break it too, but... <clears throat> well, one, I ain't got a con- the, the, the console to play it on uh, currently, but again, it's just never... I'm not, Again, if you're not much of a multiplayer person, I don't... I think those games have decent single-player campaigns, but it's just not not my kind of thing. I, I played sort of some of the older ones, sort of almost more based on recommendations as opposed to getting anything personally out of them. I mean, they are well-made, put-together games, but personally, they just they don't do anything for me. Anyway, moving on to the next stage of the show. So we posed this question to our group of friends. I'm sure everyone's done this in their lifetime, like top five games. Um, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's not a compilation of the series. You have to give a specific game in that series. Um, so you can't just say Pokemon. It'll be like, well, which Pokemon game um, do you want? I suppose you can have multiple games in the series, um, like Pokemon Red, or and if you really like Pokemon uh, Sapphire, I was completely struggling there. Uh, then I suppose you could add that if you was that big a fan. But we're just going to go through our top five, just kind of give you a feel of what games we really enjoy. So uh, these aren't any in particular order, but it's always nice to put them in order, I think. So we'll give number, I'll give my number five, you give your number five, Sean, and then we'll just say why I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> well. <laughs> There is no right and wrong to your own. All right, well, my number five, I'm kicking it off. 
I know this is my personal one, but I love Gears of War. And I'm going with number three here. I love Gears of War. It's For me, it's a franchise that started the 360 revolution. I love the world building. I love the characters. Even though it, people said that it was very thin on story and the characters were all kind of the same. I think there was a, it were very well defined. So you, you knew where you stood with them. Um, but number three, and for me particularly, like Epic's last one of these, they did everything. They seemed to me to sort out multiplayer. They satisfyingly ended the story and they also gave us one of the greatest scenes in a video game which was Dom's death when he committed suicide well sacrificed himself shall I say to save the rest well, if you haven't played it now it's your own goddamn fault but <laughs> this is a game that you should be yeah, everyone should be playing at least one Gears I mean if you've got an Xbox I would say jump in with number 4 I think it's an excellent game with number 5 but for me Gears of War 3 one of the epic is one of its finest moments probably its finest moment in gaming if you ask me uh i'm joking obviously everyone knows them for Fortnite, but you can see like it was a great game and that's uh, why it's number five for me it always holds a special place i mean the whole gears franchise and i think gears franchise is actually doing quite well i enjoyed four and five um but number three will always hold that special place in my heart as being one of the games that i truly truly loved and played for hours and hours um, and he, he obviously revolutionised Horde mode. That was number two, but they built on it with number three. But that was nine, number five. What's your number five, Sean? Um, I will go with Celeste oh, my for word. my number five. <laughs> no, I'd what? say Celeste. Why did you... Yeah, I played Have Celeste. You... I played it on your recommendation. <laughs> I thought you must not like oh, yeah. it. me through this. It is a fantastic game. I think it uh, sort of deals with, um, I think it's sort of storytelling and character building with the, I guess it's got a sort of approach to sort of dealing with this kind of mental health type thing. Like, um, I don't know how far you got into the game. but uh, Yeah, I played it all the way through to the end. It wasn't a long game. So don't worry. I know it's not crazy long um but yeah like where you obviously end up kind of battling yourself and when you start using the control sticks to control the feather and stuff like that when the characters dealing with like panic attacks and Mm -hmm. stuff like that um i don't know I, i thought it was a very um sort of honest and I may be honest, the wrong word, but sort of, I don't know, it had some sort of emotion and um, something to the story. Like, it wasn't like one of these, oh, I'm off to save the world. It was like a much smaller and sort of personalised story to that character of um, basically the main character. Um, It's been a a couple of years since I played it, I believe it's called Madeline. Um, and she's climbing the mountain, which is actually called Celeste. Yeah, that's it. I do. Um, yeah. And sort of like this drive to sort of do something sort of for herself type of thing. Like it doesn't like it doesn't matter to some degree what anyone else says or thinks. It's sort of like this personal goal this character has sort of set for herself because maybe things aren't going too well back home and finding other people and characters sort of along the way and as I said sort of 
these other little bits where you I don't know like just trying to think back to it sort of like where she's sort of having these conversations with herself like the um sort of the argument you know about accepting yourself even like the bad parts like instead of sort of shutting them away or they sort of grow and the way they manifest and sort of almost become like a detriment to yourself which then ends up sort of like making the level sort of harder for you to sort of get through and stuff like that I I thought that was just a very interesting idea and, and sort of concept for a game especially as it was a sort of retro sort of 2D platformer and you don't hear the so the what the dialogue's all spoke on uh, sorry it's all text on screen and the dialogue is all noises uh, similar to something like I guess The Sims or a Banjo-Kazooie or something like that where you just hear a sort of gibberish but they the 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 uh, pitch of the gibberish as it were um matches the sort of emotional or what's being said so yeah the pitch and stuff will change based if the character's sort of shouting or worried or, or scared or or whatever type of thing it will sort of go to a whisper or, or it will sort of get louder and um Again, the music is pretty amazing. And yeah, you know what? I kind of think yeah, it's sort will, of almost flawless on a lot of what it's achieving. Because I know this is probably something that comes up with all games. It's like, how could this game possibly score so sort of highly when maybe it is only like a 10 or 12 hour experience and you might go, well, something like Skyrim or whatever gives you 300 hours um but i guess like i feel for what this game was set out to achieve it, it did it all and it did it all really really well yeah i will give you that i thought the music in that game was actually pretty good um so i like the and by the way that's not to say the skyrim doesn't do what it does well it's just i was using like the time comparison okay moving on then to number four so my number four, uh, it doesn't really matter which way, but I was going to actually put Mario 64 in it, as we talked about earlier in the show. Um, I, I wasn't going to uh, go into well, much because we've already uh, spoke about it, but yeah, great. Just one of those games that, you know, I think everyone who grew up in that time period played it. was the first 3D platformer for me, so that's why it always helps a soft spot in my heart. Uh, well, my number four is from the same oh. era. Um <laughs> It's strange that we both kind of put it in for the same one. I was going to put Banjo-Kazooie. I think Banjo-Kazooie is a great game as well. I just, I don't know. I, I, if I was to play, if someone said, which one do you want to play again? I would put Mario 64 just because of its whimsical charm. Yeah, it's a bit harder to answer for me because obviously I've, I've only just played 64. So therefore, it's a longer time period since I've played Banjo-Kazooie. So I guess there's more you know, I would more want to revisit the one I've not played so much recently. I mean, I guess the thing with Banjo-Kazooie, again, I thought there was, it maybe it just came along at the right moment or, so. or whatever, because it's unlike Mario 64 that came along and did sort of revolu- sorry, revolutionise that whole sort of 3D platformer thing and then had a wave of games follow it afterwards. 
um, and Banjo Kazoo being a good example. I mean, I guess where the two differ is I kind of feel Mario went on to do bigger and greater things type of thing in in, in that game series, and yeah. I feel Banjo kind of fell off. No, I didn't mind. <laughs> went off a cliff. I didn't mind Banjo. I didn't mind no, Banjo Tui was okay, but, but Banjo I, I, nuts and Banjo nuts and bolts. I didn't like the the size of the levels and the warping between yeah. sort of the different work like I kind of think it was maybe maybe the technology just wasn't quite there to sort of make it as fluid as what it needed to be but I thought so I don't know if that hindered it I just thought it was possibly slightly too ambitious for what they was trying to do with Banjo-Tooie at the time I, I just can see that I kind of enjoyed it, but I just didn't enjoy it as much. I kind of thought the first one offered the levels were decent sizes. There wasn't too, and I guess some people like this um, sort of the back and forth between sort of levels and worlds and all of that stuff, which I don't mind. But I, I normally like to, I guess, get stuck into a world and sort of, I, I like having the option to do it. But yeah, I, I just thought the first one sort of hit did everything quite perfectly and I think they've still got some of the best not all of them but some of the like one of my favourite levels I guess of a 3D platformer is the final stage in <clears throat> Banjo-Kazoo which is I think called uh, TikTok oh, I love that TikTok, with the four seasons TikTok and the, where you go in that's a great yeah great so the idea. so it's the same level but the Depending on, I think which you door spring, you enter, summer, you'll enter. Winter, you go through it in the four seasons, yeah. don't you? Because you unlock each level. You have to go in spring, unlock the summer. Yeah, and you'll build on what you've done in a previous thing. So, for example, if you're do, I can't quite remember off the top of my head, but say if you, and this is going to be wrong. If you need to do something like with oh, the let me tell you or, what exactly or something, you, you do something in the spring and on, then it on, will have on. an impact I on the exactly summer. That's exactly what you do. You have hatch an egg. First, you have to hatch an egg. You have to go out and uh, I think you have to warm the egg or put the egg in the bowl. And then you have to go collect the worms and feed the bird in the summer. Then you have to do that same thing again in autumn. And then in the winter, you have to feed him more worms and he'll fly away. Alternatively, you see a squirrel build a house or hide his nuts um, as well. So you see that being built and there's a house that gets built. So there we are. It's, it's, it's a great idea. I, I, I think why we can't get a new Banjo Kazooie platformer is beyond me. It's such an, it's just like money on the table. I have no idea why it won't happen. But moving on to number three. So I'm actually going to put, I'm actually going to, uh, again, I'm not going to put these in any order. So I'm just going to go down on my list and I'm going to put Halo 3. Revolutionized first person shooters. I think it was, for me, you had Halo 1, which we played on the original Xbox, which I played on the original Xbox, kind of showed what first person shooters should be. Number two, which I played for that length, skipped school, skipped college to play number two online. It was the reason when I first got into Xbox Live. And I thought number three was just the culmination of those two. I just think it was such a great game. Online was great. The beta, when it came out, first time we had the beta really for a game. I think everyone bought Crackdown for the beta. I remember that. That was such a great game. I loved the number three. I loved Halo 3. So many good times. So many good memories. 
Um, it was, I think some of these games are just where you are in your time of life. Like it's not really the game, but it's just that time of life when online gaming was kicking off, um, really coming into the mainstream. That game really held, stood out for me. So I love that game. So there we are. Halo 3 for me. What's your number three, Sean? Okay, my number three will be Bioshock. Number one. Sorry. Oh, the first one. Yeah. So, um, just yeah. I mean, again, I kind of feel it's not a bit contradict uh, contrary to what I said earlier about the first one being the most important sometimes in the series, but then the later titles can build on that, um, which is kind of true. Of the Bioshock series I just kind of felt that the I really enjoyed that the world of Rapture more than I enjoyed the world of Columbia from the third game Um, so I kind of feel some of the mechanics and uh, gameplay mechanics and sort of shooting and the plasmids or or, I forget what they're called in the final um, in the uh, the tonics. Yeah. The Vigors, that was it, not tonics, yeah. of course, it was Vigors, yeah. Um, might have been sort of done a bit better in the later one, but that wasn't enough of a build. Like, I, I still prefer, like, to go back to any of that series, I will still prefer to go back to the first one and enjoy my time sort of in Rapture in that first game. Because, again, I felt like the... The world. I mean, I guess it's a lot about the sort of atmosphere and the characters there um, that, that, that help build that. Well, I make it sort of believable. I mean, I remember like I just took a an absolute punt on that game, and like I didn't really know an awful lot about it. I just remember picking it up on the day it came out because uh, I used to work in a video game store at the time. And then just giving it a go. And then, yeah, it was just, like you said, sometimes. I do think that the game matches yeah. as well, which yeah. you probably do also. It's not, but sometimes I get, I get what you mean by like the time. It's like that time of, dis- again, it being a new IP and stuff like that. Discovery of what sort of, wow, like, because I guess to some extent, Although the games are expected to be good, like you kind of know what you're getting with Call of Duty to some degree, you know what you're getting with like Mario games, and you know what you're getting with like if they do another Gears of War, you're probably going to have a good idea what to expect. Um, but sometimes when you jump into those new IPs, although obviously you can watch trailers and whatnot, um, it was just I don't know at the time it felt like a sort of a kind of breath of fresh air, like something I hadn't properly sort of played like that before. It was a kind of first person shooter action type thing, but it had this sort of massive emphasis on sort of story and you upgraded your sort of weapon. I don't know, it just made it sort of feel real and immersive in a way that I hadn't up until that point, hadn't personally felt, um, in like a first person yeah. game before. Fair enough. I say I think Bioshock's a great game. Oh, my personal favourite is Bioshock um, Infinite, but another story for another game. So number two, I'm moving on. And I know you would agree with this one, uh, Sean, and it is The Witcher 2. Uh, Witcher 3, sorry. <laughs> I said Witcher 2. Witcher 3. 
the Wild Hunt, a game of the decade, shall we say. A game that came along and just changed everything. I don't think it was on many people's lists. It wasn't on my, it wasn't on my watch. I only first saw this game when I watched an Angry Joe YouTube video of him banging on about this game. I looked at his video and I was like, this game looks pretty good. I bought it a week later when it came out on day release. And I was like, I had to tell everyone about this game. I was like, this is ridiculous how good this game. This shouldn't be this good. And I still, three weeks ago, I hadn't heard of this game. And I told everyone about it. All our friends bought it. And everyone came back and said, yeah, this is one of the best games I've ever played. And to me, it is the best game of this generation. Without a shadow of a doubt. I couldn't put anything above this game. Even though my next game will be above this. Uh, (laughs) But in my opinion, this is the best single player game I've ever played. I mean... I'm excited for Cyberpunk. I don't. I'm, I'm tempering my expectations because I think that this is one of those lightning in a bottle moments. One of those games that comes along where everything is just right. The story, the characters, the timing. You know, we have the game consoles that could deliver this world. I'm sure we, as, we could, as PCs, can deliver it a little bit better. But it just did so much right. Again, 2015, May 2015. It always holds a special spot in my heart. Um, I remember playing it just thinking, I can't believe this game's so good. And yet it just kept on getting better and better and better. And it was, it's amazing when you don't get hyped for a game. You go in there thinking, I hope I like this game, and come out thinking that was one hell of an experience. And I think a lot of people had this from The Witcher, and a lot of people I speak to had the same experience, thinking they went in there kind of thinking, yeah, it should be good. And then come out thinking, well, what was that experience all about? Like, what an amazing game. Um, so that's why Witcher 3, I mean, if you haven't played it, everyone should play it. Any true gamer should play it. I assume you've played this one, Sean. It started, and I'll give you... Jeez. Well, you know, you and me have a... We have an ongoing Excuse thing. Excuse me. So my, one of my <laughs> issues, an ongoing thing around this game, because I've always found it quite curious, and... Correct me if I'm wrong, but if a game is mm-hmm. so good, then I believe you should be able to sell yeah, it on its own merits. However, when you've been trying to sell this game to me, as in, like, I should play it, granted, you corrected me the other day, you said I miss... Um, I Because you know I quite like Mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild, and so you was trying to convince me what the Witcher can offer, and this is where I got my wires crossed. You originally said, "Well, the Witcher can offer you everything that Breath of the Wild does. It does everything that." Breath... But then you corrected me and said, "Actually, what I was saying, in order to convince you of how good the Witcher is, I was comparing." Assassin's Creed to Breath of the Wild in hope that you would then go Let's out not and get find the wires crossed so... You should be playing The Witcher. So let's... No doubt about it. If you play The Witcher... Yeah, I know, but I'm just sort of saying, like, if The Witcher's good, you should be selling me on the points that make The Witcher good. You shouldn't be dragging get in the Witcher. Get the Assassin's Witcher. Creed or telling me stuff that's untrue about the way because obviously as soon if yours to say so this is part of my problem as well it's like makes me a bit sort of skeptical if you're to say well the witcher 
or Assassin's Creed or whatever one you're going with is exactly like another game you like. And then the first moments I'm playing, I'm like, I can't do it granted. Sometimes abilities get unlocked later in. But if I'm like, so far, this is nothing like the game that I've been told it is going to be like, then I'm like, well, either you were lying to me or, or this but which you probably couldn't be because you've not played breath of the wild but so it was a kind of absurd uh suggestion to make in the first place but i'm like if if a game's good like it's like uh-huh. when i was trying to sell you on celeste for example i would when you said you bought that i would tell you things that I felt make Celeste a good game and why you should let's buy it. I wouldn't on say... Topic. Let's get back on way. topic. We're going <laughs> well, a little no, bit through the weeds here. Let's, let's get back on topic. You should play it. But what's your number two? My number two will be Super Mario Galaxy. It could possibly, after playing it again, swap to Galaxy 2, because I think they're both great games, but just based on the history. I remember at the time preferring number one over number two, but I enjoyed them both as much, so I'll go with Fair number enough. one. Fair enough. Okay, and our number one choices. Um, so again, I'm going to change this. Oh, it's hard for me because it's going to be a Call of Duty because of just how much I play that franchise. I think it would be wrong for me to say it as a game So I always think time spent in the game shows you how much you enjoy it. But so I was going to put and I was going through my ones, but I'm actually going to put Black Ops 4 in there as much as I love. And this is it's hard because it's more about the overall experience. I think called Modern Warfare 2019 is a better multiplayer game, possibly as a better Call of Duty. But Black Ops 4 has the zombies. It had Blackout, which I prefer to Warzone. And I thought this multiplayer was was built for me. It's almost as if they went up to me and said, "What would you want from a Call of Duty multiplayer?" And I said, "I want. I like. I like specialists. I like more of an arcadey feel. I liked character. I liked um, people having their own equipment. I thought the score streaks are powerful, and I like zombies. And I liked, you know, I like a battle royale with a Call of Duty feel. It's almost like they built me a game. And I said, "Here you are. This is your game." And that's why I can't put anything else above it for me. Black Ops 4 was just like the perfect game. And it's one of the games that for me, I just performed the best at. Um, but that's why I put it above, even though I, I wax lyrical about how great Modern Warfare 2019 is. Uh, when I go back to, every time I go back to Black Ops 4, I'm just like, oh, these maps, oh, they're lovely. I can actually know where I'm going. Uh, the people, they, the, the combat is uh, not random and I'm not getting shot from five ways to Sunday. It's just such a nice experience. But that's my number one game. Again, these aren't in a particular order, but these are my top five. And I'll, obviously, I'll put Call of Duty in there and I'll say Black Ops. What about yours, Sean? Uh, my top one will be uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, it was close. It was going to possibly be... Zelda was going to be in there. Uh, again, if you was going to go on the time thing, I guess, and this might be the case for a lot of people, Ocarina of Time might have been a good content because that was the game that first introduced me to the Legend of Zelda series. Because I guess slight history, uh, we I never played it on the original Nintendo, but as we was growing up, we went Nintendo 
and then we went Sega and for the Mega Drive and then we went back to Nintendo for the N64 so we sort of missed out because uh, we went Mega Drive and not Super Nintendo I know a lot of people will probably put a uh, link to the past as sort of one of the those moments in Zelda that got a lot of people interested but as we sort of went off in the uh, Sega route um, yeah one of our first experiences uh, for you as well um, with the Legend of Zelda series would have been Ocarina of Time Um, and although that was like a phenomenal game like I said I kind of feel um, Breath of the Wild changed up I know you have different view of opinion on this, um, but I kind of feel it changed up the formula enough to make it sort of feel fresh and different and interesting and offer that that sort of, I don't know, that ability to just, and I know this is one thing it's knocked for, and I do get that, like it wasn't, but I do kind of like this, so it wasn't so story heavy. It was that, that, sort of freedom to just go and explore sort of the world is that's one thing I I guess one of the things I like about the sort of 3D platformers as it were it's like here's the world just go and explore and collect and find whatever you want and I guess although Zelda isn't necessarily a 3D platformer um, it kind of offered some of those that sort of feeling of but on a much bigger and grander scale of his, obviously it did have a story, although it's light in places and stuff. Um, but yeah, here, go and explore. Here's the world of Hyrule and get to do all these sort of different things and glide around and climb and craft your sort of, um, sorry, I don't think you craft any weapons, but you sort of build and stuff. But I don't know, I just really enjoyed my experience with that game. Um, I mean, I guess there's always something to be said as well. I haven't gone back to that game, but I am looking forward to the sequel when it arrives. And I will be giving the, sort of as it's referred to as the prequel, the uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity uh, a go. Um, But... Yeah, I'm sort of interested to go back to that world. But I know one thing that's always brought up, I guess, with these sort of your best games of all time is how likely are you to sort of revisit them. Um, Zelda being such a sort of long game as well, depending on if you do like all the shrines and everything. Um, yeah, I don't know how often I would sort of always jump into sort of that world, but it's still one I guess I had good memories of and, and enjoyed yeah, playing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, that's all time. All the time. we. Uh, that's everything we've got time for this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Next week, uh, we'll be back. And do you know what the topic is next week, Sean? Oh, well, you're going to have a good one with this one. We're going to be talking about skill-based matchmaking and its impact in the gaming world. <laughs> I know. We were, if you don't suggest something, I will. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. Everybody will be as long. I was just thinking, as we were talking about our top five, what are we going to be doing for this year? 
top five games. I think that'll be a good topic to do at the end of this year. I would struggle at the moment, but I'm sure I could scram together top five games. Um, but thank you so much for making you as part of your week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we have been the On Jellyfish Arcade. My name is Philip, and it's goodbye from me. And good, perfect. And we'll hope to see you next me. week. Take care. Bye. Bye.